to bring about healing and to bring about assurance that God is always with us even when we face difficulties. And that's really also an interesting segue into our text this morning. Because we have been studying through the Beatitudes. And when you think about the Beatitudes, I've said this over and over, and here's your pop quiz. I'll give you the answer first. It means happy. What does the word blessed mean? Wait a second. I gave you the answer, and I didn't get a good back. Okay. It means happy. What does the word blessed mean? Awesome. You did a great job with that one. It does. It means happy. Blessed, Jesus said. Happy are you. And then he shares all these different blessings, these different ways in which we find real happiness, not superficial happiness, but genuine happiness. So now I'd like you to imagine the setting. We've done it in eight weeks, but Jesus just did it in a quick setting as he was sharing these words with those on the mountain that day. Imagine the setting as Jesus is preaching this sermon, because this is Jesus' sermon that we're talking about. And he's said all these things that are going to bring real happiness in our lives. To be blessed, to be truly happy, he said, you will find it if you are poor in spirit. Then he went on and he said, if you mourn, if you're meek, if you're merciful, if you're a peacemaker, all of these things that really aren't the normal things that people would expect to find happiness in. People would have expected, if somebody's going to talk about happiness, sort of like they do on the television today, you know, you will be happy if you buy such and such a product, or if you have a particular thing in your life. That's not what Jesus did at all. He did the opposite. He said, listen to all these things. These are where real happiness will come from. Now, I would imagine if you go back to that setting and you could interview people before his last beatitude was shared, people were probably thinking, just wait. Now we'll hear the payoff. If we do all these things, Jesus will explain to us why we're truly happy and what all this stuff is that we're going to get. And so, having all the anticipation of all these ways in which we could find happiness and now waiting for Jesus to say, and this is what your happiness is really going to look like, Jesus finishes with these words. Oh, and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You think maybe people had a little letdown with that one? I do all these good things. I change my attitude. I live the right way. I love and I, I express my, my deepest hurt emotions. I'm humble. I think of others. And then I'm told I'm still going to have persecution in this life. It kind of got me thinking of one of my favorite Disney movies, Finding Nemo. Now, please understand, it's only a Disney movie. I get it. It also does happen to be the best-selling DVD ever, so I'm sure most of you have seen it. And in that movie, little um, Dory is swimming through the ocean. Remember that? And when things get tough or when life gets hard or they're feeling like they're lost, this little blue fish who seems to have amnesia, doesn't remember anything, can always remember one thing, and we know what that is. No matter how life hands us difficulties, no matter what struggle you're facing, no matter how lost you may feel in the ocean, Dory says to us, keep swimming. Just keep swimming. 
Got me also thinking of May 10th, 1949. The bombings that were taking place in England. World War II, not where we are today, was the early 40s. People were literally living in England in the subways because at night they would go into their, the subways and they were afraid that they were going to die. England was standing alone. The United States in the early part of the 1940s had not entered the battle yet. And so England itself was facing Nazi Germany. And one day, Winston Churchill addressed the nation. And he said, you know, if you're going through hell, keep going. Then on May 10th, 1949, somebody came to Winston Churchill and said, that was amazing. You inspired the nation when they stood alone, and you alone are responsible for the fact that England was able to persevere. And finally, the United States joined, the Allies were all put together, and Hitler was defeated. And he said, no, it was the nation that had the lion's heart. I just had the luck to be called upon to give the roar. That's the same thing Jesus is telling us. Jesus is with us. No matter what we face, God is going before us. We have a congregation and a family and people to support us. But there are times in our life when we do all the right things. Things continue to not go well. We make the right decision. We humble ourselves. We say, how is it that, that things can continue to be so difficult? And we listen to Dory who says, keep swimming, keep going forward. Remember the words of Jesus, blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So how do we do it? Folks, how do we do it? How do we do it when life gets tough and things are uncomfortable? How do we keep going and not lose faith and listen to the words of Jesus? Well, I think it begins when we realize that we will face pain. When we accept that fact, when we realize each and every one of us are going to have struggles in life. Because if somehow we listen to the first part of the Beatitudes and then think, oh, I've got it, that's a formula for me to avoid any of life's difficulties, we're not hearing the gospel message. Because Jesus is very clear, we will face troubles. He wouldn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, if people would not be persecuted for righteousness sake. I call that an aha moment in our life. At that moment in our life when we finally realize, you know, maybe I've thought that life was just going to always be easy and I was never going to face struggles and I was never going to have difficulties, but we all need that aha moment where we say, okay, I get it. There are going to be problems. No matter how deep my faith is, no matter how much I trust God, no matter how much I do the next right thing, there simply are just going to be times in our life when life is going to get difficult. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of running my one and only marathon. I say one and only because you couldn't pay me enough to run another one. <laughs> and my coach told me to have somebody at mile 17 prepared to give me a banana. 
I said, why? He said, oh, you'll figure it out when you get to mile 17. The first 10 miles were great. I, I like to say I ran a really great half marathon that day. But at mile 13, the sun came out. It got really hot. The temperature went up into the high 80s. And by about mile 15, I thought, what in the world am I doing here? And by mile 17, my sister-in-law, who is not a runner, met me with the banana and jogged along with me. That's all you need to know. My sister-in-law is not a runner, and she ran along with me and gave me the banana, and I had my aha moment. This is a marathon. She said, do you need to quit? I said, I can't. I only have nine miles to go. It only got more difficult the rest of the marathon. It was awful. It was painful. And it was at mile 17 that I had an aha moment that I was a one-time marathon runner. Jesus asks us to have that aha moment about this marathon we call life. We will all face mile 17 at some point in our life. We have to accept that. Trying to be in denial and somehow thinking that we're exempt from it or somehow because we're better than others or this only applies to others, we miss the power of what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It does mean we will face struggles. It doesn't mean that life is going to be awful. It doesn't mean there won't be joy and happiness. It doesn't mean we won't find fulfillment because he's saying you will find happiness. You will be a happy person. You will find a joy and a deep happiness in your life but part of it is also accepting the fact that there will be mile 17s. There will be struggles. There will be times when we just need to keep swimming. Keep the faith. Be like England during the bombing. And then we need to recognize that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That is an amazing promise that's given to you. You are not just a citizen of the United States. You are a citizen of heaven. See the passport? kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you don't have your own passport. You better, you should go to the post office and say, you know, my passport only reads the United States. I need one that says kingdom of heaven, because that's what the Bible says. We are residents of another place. We're just sojourners passing through this life. That's why the hymn says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the stars, you know, we've no less days to sing God's praise. And when we first begun, we're citizens of heaven. He says in verse 10, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why does that matter? Well, the last time I had a trip to Nicaragua, I realized how important a passport was. Because today, we're told as Americans not to travel to Nicaragua because it's become a very unsafe place. The beginnings of that was at the time that we had our last mission trip to Nicaragua. And there were demonstrations that were going on in the, town, the city squares. And we have a friend who's a missionary there who has kept us apprised of things that are taking place. And he said, you know, Nicaragua has become a very unstable and unsafe government. But when we were there, we started to see the beginnings of that. And it was troubling to see that. We would drive down the street and see these mass protests that were taking place. And we were pretty obvious that we were Americans, especially since we had these two blonde twins in our van that didn't look like anybody who was a resident in Nicaragua. And one day, we were out in front of the United States Embassy, and two police came and stopped our van, found out I was a pastor, took me out. 
I was standing in front of the U.S. Embassy. The van was over there, and these two guys were holding two AK-47s, pointing them at me, speaking Spanish. I didn't speak Spanish, and I didn't know what was going on. And I remember thinking to myself, guys like me disappear in places like Nicaragua. And I'm on the news for about two days, and then everybody forgets my name. We got through that situation, and somebody said to me, gee, Pastor Stan, I would have thought you would have had more faith. I said, oh, I had a lot of faith in those two AK-47s that I was looking at. I finally got in the plane, and I was flying home, and I remember when we were flying over Cuba and looking down, being amazed, and when I saw the tip of Florida, I pulled out my passport and looked at it and thought, I am so thankful where my passport reads. It makes a difference. All the time, even when I was fearful, I was thankful that I was a citizen of the United States. It got me through what was a scary time. We're citizens of heaven. Do you get it? We're citizens of another place. We have an eternal passport. We are children of the living king. Jesus Christ himself died for every single one of us, and if we were the only person left on this earth, or we were the only one who did anything wrong, he would have died for you personally. You are a loved, beloved child of the king, and recognize that. When you go through a struggle, remember whose you belong to. Remember where your citizenship is. Remember what passport you hold. And then, remember, bad things will still be said. Because sometimes the most harmful and painful things that we go through aren't just the things that we go through, but they're also the things that people say to us. If you don't believe it, go read the book of Job and look at all the tough stuff that Job goes through and look at his comforting friends who start blaming him and saying, well, you must have done something wrong and start pointing fingers at him. And we feel the same things at times when we go through tough things. We have people who we think they should be comforting us and they should be giving us assurance and they only hurt us more. Or maybe it is that somebody has said something wrong about us or said something that's not true. And so Jesus says in verse 11, remember, you're not just blessed for being persecuted, but you're blessed when others revile you or persecute you or utter all kinds of evil falsely about you. Revile you means mock you. Anybody who's ever been made fun of or had anybody said some hurtful words or say something unkind Persecute literally means run after. I remember years ago, I've always been a a jogger, but I remember one town that we lived in, I got so frustrated because they never seemed to enforce the leash laws, and it seemed that every single time I went running, I had a dog that was running after me. Well, people can feel like that sometimes. We can feel like there are things just running after us, coming after us, saying things. How can this be happening? And then he says, utter all kinds of evil about you. Those are false conclusions. Those are when you know that somebody has said something, you go, that is not true. And how do I defend myself when there's no possible way I can convince everybody? And then we try to tell somebody something and they say, well, I wasn't there. I don't know. We say, well, that didn't really help me any, did it? And Jesus says, remember, remember, bad things will be said. Remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's not true. That's not true. Words can be some of the most hurtful things, names and things that get planted in our minds and in our thinking. And so Jesus now is setting the stage for us in life 
to realize that we can find a joy and happiness no matter what we're facing. I've seen people face some of the most difficult things in life and they've still been okay and they're still like, Pastor Stan, it's okay, I'm getting through this and I'm finding God's grace and I'm finding comfort in the scripture and I'm finding true friends who are with me to encourage me no matter what's happening. But he's also setting the stage for himself. Because remember, no matter what we face, we serve a Savior who was crucified on the cross. And so as he's uttering these words, he's aware that there are people who revile him and come after him and slander him and do all kinds of things bad to him. And that's why the last thing we need to do, not only realize that we will face pain and recognize that we're citizens of heaven and remember that bad things will be saved, is we need to reflect on the experience of others. Because that'll give us strength. When we stop and we realize we're not alone, it makes a huge difference. And so Jesus says in verse 12, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you hear what he said? When you face a tough time, open your Bible and read a story and go, oh my goodness, Jeremiah went through a tough time. Wow, David, (laughs) he was all alone in a cave. Stephen was stoned. We start reading those stories and we start realizing we're not alone. Now, a prophet is one who speaks God's word. So these were the men and women of Scripture who were there for the purpose of doing nothing other than helping people. So Jesus says, remember, no matter what you face, whenever you go through a tough time, remember that the people in the Bible who were there for the purpose of doing nothing other than helping other people, they face tough times themselves. And don't allow yourself ever to be alone, Jesus says. Don't ever feel like you can be isolated. Jeremiah, John the Baptist. In our modern world, certainly the 20th century, I like to think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a faithful German pastor, who in all of Nazi Germany decided to let Hitler take over the church Dietrich Bonhoeffer and a few of his friends said, no, we will start a new church. We'll call it the Confessing Church. And he ended up dying a martyr for his faith. The last thing he did is knelt down and prayed the Lord's Prayer. And those who took his life said, there was a saint. And when I go through something tough, I like to remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I like to say to myself, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, my good friend, who died before I was born, Dietrich Bonhoeffer faced a lot more than anything I've ever faced. Stan, don't let yourself get so discouraged and feel so isolated. That's why the promise is for us to keep swimming. Not to come to church and somehow think I'm a Christian and therefore I do my little thing and everything's going to be perfect, but to make the choice of how we look at the situations and how we face the difficulties in our life. I like to say that means we never isolate in our minds. We never let ourselves think, I'm the only one who's ever faced this. The Bible tells us Jesus faced everything that we faced. We never allow ourselves to say, oh, woe is me. I've had it harder than anyone else because we read the scriptures and we know that other people have had it really tough. And so we have people to draw on and strength and encouragement. And we have family and friends that we can talk to that are true friends who won't say the reviling words, but will say the encouraging words. 
And I like to remind myself that we are storytellers. The question is, what story do we tell ourselves? How do we flip it over in our mind when we're going through a tough time or something is difficult? Do we turn it into, I can't believe it happened to me again? Or do we say, I'm strong enough and I can get through this and I got through it last time and God is with me and we're going to make it this time. Frequently when I go through a tough time, I like to remember my friend Cindy who died of cancer. She lived in our Whitensville town before I was here, the last congregation that I served. And I used to visit Cindy. She was 59 years old when she died, and I'm 60. And I think of that a lot of times, and I think about the fact that she said to me the only thing she wanted to be was there for her grandchildren, and she knew she wasn't going to be them for, her, for them. But she also always kept a really positive attitude, and every time I would visit her, I would go see her twice a week. We'd be laughing. I'd always leave, and I would think, well, am I coming here to visit Cindy, or am I coming here to have her encourage me? And then one day, her husband came to me in church, and she said, Cindy's health is such that I don't want anybody visiting her. And Pastor Stan, you visit her too much, and I just need you to back off. I was like, okay. The next Sunday, husband came back, and he said, my wife was really mad at me this week. And she said, where's my pastor? And I had to explain that I asked you not to visit. And she said to him, and he said to me, well, she made this rule. Pastor Stan visits me twice a week. Don't you dare get in between my visits with my pastor. So I went back in and I sat down with Cindy and I said, so you enjoy your visit? She goes, yeah, because you helped me tell a different story. Everybody else walks into my room and says, Cindy, I'm so sorry that you're dying. What, what can I do to help you feel better? She said, you walk in and you say, hey, did you see the Red Sox game last night? <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> Man, that picture was lousy, wasn't it? And he, she said, you even tell me when you're upset with somebody in the congregation. She goes, I feel like I'm in, like on secrets here when you're like, you cannot believe how so-and-so just frustrated me this last week. She says, it changes the story in my head. I'm no longer a dying woman in a room. I'm a woman who's living, who's encouraging my pastor. Keep swimming, folks. We get to choose the story we tell ourselves. Because our mind is the battlefield. The things aren't the things, our minds are the things. The persecution is going to take place. We're going to face difficulties. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have pains. We're going to have hurts. We're going to have losses. This congregation has had some really tough ministry things that have happened recently, including the shooting down at Algonquin with a lot of kids from our church. And as that was taking place, two families from our congregation were in their apartments and not able to go out. And we were texting and talking to them, saying, how, how are you doing? We're going to face that stuff in our life. We're not going to be able to be exempt from it. But our mind is a battlefield, and we need to choose to say the right things and to trust in Jesus and to give our hearts to God and to realize that no matter what, we're never alone. And then remember to always tell yourself, and you're going to say it with me, keep swimming. Keep swimming. It's a message for the week. Now, you may be going through great times right now. That's awesome then you have an opportunity to help somebody else tell a better story and encourage them. And you may be facing something, you're like, how in the world am I facing this? Let's remember little Dory, and let's all keep swimming. Amen. At this time in the service, we just take a moment just to settle in and to let the Words that have come from Pastor Stan, 
delivered to him by the Holy Spirit just resonate with us. So I welcome you just to find a comfortable seat to get yourself comfortable for a moment and to breathe. Just to inhale and exhale deeply. If you feel comfortable closing your eyes and do so. The message of just keep swimming. The message that we will go through persecution. But Christ has gone through it before us. The message of it is in our minds and the battlefields that play out there. The season or the situation, the relationship, the struggles in our life, big and small, the remembrance that we belong to a kingdom of Christ. I welcome you just to breathe deeply to inhale and exhale out our humanness and to take a moment and just to hear what the Holy Spirit is just trying to tell us in this moment from this message. Where in our life are we battling a front that does not need to be? A place in our life where Christ is saying, turn it over and give it to me. I have laid down my life for you. Let me take this. We offer up this prayer. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, just thank you for the message that you brought forth today. Thank you for reminding each and every one of us that we are so deeply and greatly loved in all areas and all seasons, that you have never once forsaken us, that your love has been consistent through time and through space and through everything that we go through in our lives. And we are just so happy and grateful that Christ took this moment to teach, to teach the sermon of how to be blessed and how to receive in the knowledge that even in the darkness, even when we cannot know how to, to move beyond, that with him we just keep swimming. We hold on to that truth and that love and that knowledge and grace and move forward as you have called us to do. So Lord, whatever you are placed on our heart today, this morning, that you are calling us through the words that came through Pastor Stan and through this message, we just, we just ask for the strength so that we can go and advance your kingdom and do what needs to be done to remove the obstacles within our own minds so that we can receive you deeply. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.